0: New City Church, good to be with you guys. Like Eric said, we have done a lot of life together. Um, we've done a lot of uh, workouts together. Um, but on a more serious note, you guys are uh, in good hands uh, with these two guys here. So um, I'm excited that you guys get a chance to sit under uh, Eric and Kelly's leadership and, and AJ as well. And so, uh, but it is a joy to be here with you guys. Yes, my family and I is planning a church in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Just out of curiosity, how many of you guys have ever heard of Halifax before? Okay, that's, that's really helpful for me. It makes me feel a little bit better. Um, and uh, so yeah, we're, we're planting a church in Halifax and uh, I'll unpack that story a little bit more. Uh, my wife and I and our five kids are headed up there in June. Uh, we've been at Mercy Hill Church, the church that New City came from. Uh, we've been there. We helped plant that church uh, almost 10 years ago. And so we've been there for that whole time and the Lord has just been working on us. And so we finally put our yes on the table and the Lord put it on the map and he put it on Halifax, Nova Scotia. And that's, and that's where we're headed there. So if you have a copy of scripture, you can turn over to John chapter 10. I know you guys have been in the book of John. Uh, We kind of went past John 10. We're going to go back here and hit John 10, and we're going to look at this idea of us being sheep and Jesus being the good shepherd. And So I ask a rhetorical question as we start off, and it's rhetorical because I know the answer, because the answer to every single one of us is yes. The question is, how many of us in here have ever done something dumb, okay? Now, I'm not, yes, thank you for that brave hand back there. So all of us have done something dumb. Let me peel back the curtain of my life and show you one of the dumb things that I've done. All right, I was 21 years old. I was helping my best friend move his parents. Uh, They were moving from one house to another. And so he asked, uh, hey, would you be willing to come and help us move? And I said, yeah, sure, that's great. Uh, 21 year old, anytime I get a chance to flex my muscle, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And so we're moving, we get all the way done, and we get to the back of the moving truck. And there at the back of the moving truck is this skateboard. And so in my mind, the only logical thing to do was to take that skateboard and ride it down the ramp of the moving truck. Like that just seemed like that's what has to happen. And so we began to kind of take bets and say, well, how far down do you think you can go? I'm like, all the way down. Like that's how, and my buddy's like, you're not even going to make it halfway. And I'm like, no, that's not true. Well, you guys know how like these moving truck ramps are. Like they're not smooth. They have like these, these, you know, ridges on them. So Whatever, didn't cross my mind that that would probably in some way be problematic. So I get on the skateboard, I didn't even make it halfway. I made it about a third of the way down and I landed kind of awkwardly like this, you know? And I remember thinking when I landed like that, something happened here that I don't think is right but I was of course too prideful and so I wasn't going to admit it. And so I just continued to kind of help finish off the day moving things around. And I just remember thinking the whole time, like something's not right, like something is not right. Uh, and this is why God gives us uh, wives, uh, because my, my fiance at the time, now my wife, she said, listen, we are gonna go to the emergency room. She's like, you cannot keep, you know, pretending like nothing's wrong. I'm like, no, 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 I, I'm fine, I'm fine. And so eventually she says, listen, after church tonight, if it still hurts, we're going to the emergency room. So sure enough, it still hurt. We went to the emergency room. I had broken my wrist and tore about three tendons uh, in my arm. So I actually had to be in a full up to my shoulder cast. Like nothing is more embarrassing than being a 21 year old having to explain that you got your arm broken because you were in a skateboarding accident, you know. But the reality is like all of us do dumb things like that. I think that's one of the reasons why the Bible refers to us as sheep. The Bible kind of uses this analogy of us being sheep to kind of describe who we are, but then it gives us also this example that Jesus is our good shepherd. There was a story that came out a few years ago, just kind of understanding this idea of who sheep are and and what sheep are like. It was a story of, it was a real story, uh, of a group of shepherds in Istanbul, Turkey, and one morning they were sitting there eating their breakfast, kind of watching out over their flock of about 450 sheep. And they watched this one sheep creep to the edge of the cliff. And they're like, surely he won't. And he does, he jumps off the edge. Well what happens? The other four hundred and forty-nine, they follow suit. They walk to the edge of the cliff and they all jump off. You know, I just imagine these shepherds like sitting there eating their chicken biscuit, like just like, what is going on right now, you know? And of course we all know that the first hundred died, but then the next, you know, 350, they were fine because they basically were landing on the giant the world's most large pillow, you know. But that's sheep. That's what sheep do. Sheep walk to the edge of a cliff and for no apparent reason, they jump off. And that's what the Bible says about us. That's it. it's the Bible describes us as sheep. And so here's what it says in John chapter 10. We'll start in verse one. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. He sees a wolf coming and he leaves the, leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So here's the big idea for what we want to talk about this morning. We need a good shepherd because we're sheep. That's the big idea. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to see in John chapter 10. We need a good shepherd because we are sheep. That's the bad news. We're sheep. We do sheep-like things. But the good news is that we have a good shepherd. And here's the problem. The problem for us is that we don't want to admit our sheep-likeness. Like we don't want to admit that we need anything. We don't want to admit that we're like sheep and that we're needy and that sometimes we make bad decisions. We don't want to admit those things. It's like what Tim Keller says. He says, most of us don't want a shepherd, we want a consultant. Someone who is on retainer and who we can call every once in a while when we need them. That's the problem. We don't want a good shepherd because we don't think we need a good shepherd. But here's the, here's the other part of that, though, that's also problematic. When we don't recognize that we need a good shepherd, then we'll never allow, uh, never allow him to lead us into the abundant life. You could say it this way. If we can't admit our need for the good shepherd, then we'll never get the abundant life that Jesus promises And so we don't want to admit that we're like sheep. We don't want to admit that we're needy, but if we can never get to the place that we admit our neediness, then we're never actually gonna get to the place where we allow Jesus to usher us into the abundant life that he's promising here in John chapter 10. But here's what's true of all of us. Every single one of us in here, including myself, all of us are in pursuit of the abundant life. And so we may not acknowledge the fact that we're in need, and yet all of us want the abundant life. We are all in some way, shape, or form, we are all pursuing the abundant life. And so what happens a lot of times is that we pursue the abundant life, we think it's through a dating relationship. We think if I have the perfect relationship, if I find the right person, then surely in that will be the abundant life. We think maybe it's in finding the right career. We think if I can get into the right school, into the right program, then find the right career, then certainly as I walk through that, that's where the abundant light was found. The abundant light was found in accumulating more things. You think about Florida, a place like where you guys are right now. Most people move here in search of the abundant life. (laughs) They think, man, I want warmer weather and all the amenities. And they think that's where the abundant life is found. And so they are in pursuit of that. Or we think, man, maybe it's in a family, maybe it's in children, all of those things. They're not, they're not bad necessarily in and of themselves. But what Jesus is going to show us here is that they're not the abundant life. He is. And so what this text is showing us is that we're sheep, we're in need. We don't know what we need. Given our, you know, left to our own devices, we'll walk off the side of a cliff. But we need a good shepherd, and Jesus says that's who he is. He is the good shepherd. So what I hope the Spirit will do as we work through John chapter 10 here is I hope the Spirit will help us to not only believe that he is the good shepherd, but it will help us to walk and to follow the good shepherd. So what I want to do is just unpack a few things here, as how it relates to what is the Bible saying about Jesus as the good shepherd? What does that actually mean? All right? So the first thing is this. The good shepherd, he knows us. When we read these verses, we see that the good shepherd knows us. One of the things I love about John 10 is that it's not so much focusing on our sheepness as much as it is is focusing on Jesus' shepherdness, if that makes any sense. It's not so much saying, hey, look how dumb you are as a sheep. Look, Look how much of a need you are. It's saying, no, look how great Jesus is. Look how much of a good shepherd that he is to us. And in so doing, it says that Jesus, as our good shepherd, He knows us, we know his voice, and he calls his sheep, look back at verse three, by name. He calls us by name. I think a lot of times we don't often think about the shepherdness of Jesus. We we don't necessarily focus on or think on these qualities of Jesus. We don't necessarily think about Jesus as someone who is tender and patient and kind and gentle and caring. There was a book that came out not too long ago called Gentle and Lowly by a guy named Dane Ortland. And it kind of took off. People loved it. And I think part of the reason was because we don't oftentimes focus on those characteristics of Jesus. And he began to unpack that Jesus says about himself that I am gentle and I am lowly. We begin to see a side of Jesus that I think a lot of times we don't often give ourselves to. That that's who Jesus is. But here's the thing. Jesus is not those things in an abstract theological sense. He's not those things in some kind of way off impersonal way. Jesus is those things in a deeply relational way to you. So when it describes Jesus here as a good shepherd who knows you by name and he is gentle and kind, he goes out before you. That's not just something in a textbook. That's what Jesus desires in a very relational sense with you. And the good news about that is that Jesus desires that for you, even though Jesus is the one who knows you all the way down to the bottom of you. That's what it says. It says the sheep know his voice and they know him by name. Jesus calls them by name. That means he knows us to the depth of who we are. Jesus, as our good shepherd, he knows all of your deepest sins. He knows all of the secrets in your life that the closest people in your life don't even know. He knows your biggest fears. He knows your biggest dreams. He knows all of your thoughts. This is who Jesus is, and yet the Bible says that He is good. He knows the best things about you, He knows the worst things about you, and yet it still says that He is our good shepherd. He knows those things about you, and yet He loves us and he desires to lead us to shepherd us, not by yelling or shaming, not by guilt trips but through his gentle, patient, loving, good shepherdness. That's who Jesus is. So let me ask you this. What would your life look like? What would your relationship with Jesus look like if you believed this about Jesus? If you believe that Jesus was not just a good shepherd out there, but he was your good shepherd. That Jesus knows you, that to God you're not a statistic, you're not a number, but you're a name. What would that look like? How would that change, shape your relationship with Jesus? Maybe some of you in here this morning are really struggling with that good part. Maybe you say, You know, I, I believe Jesus, I believe God, I just don't necessarily know if I believe the good part. What Jesus is saying to you here is, He's saying, Come to me, come to me, I, I am your good shepherd. The Bible is trying to get us to see here is that Jesus is good and he loves you. Jesus loves you right where you're at. Not the church you, but the sheep you, the real you. And so it says here that he knows us. The second thing though, it says the good shepherd leads us. So not only does he know us, but it says that he leads us. He knows us by name, and then it says he leads his sheep out. So the question then is, okay, where is Jesus taking us? If he is leading us, where is he taking us? I don't know if you've ever had somebody that maybe planned a surprise trip for you, and they basically just said, like, hey, get in the car. We're going to go somewhere, but you didn't know where they were going. Okay, some people might call that kidnapping. But so... My, my little kid, I have five kids, and so my littlest ones, my five-year-old, my three-year-old, one of the things that they love to do is, uh, you know, they'll build something or draw something in the other room, and they'll, they'll want to show me, but it always has to be a surprise, okay? And in order for it to be a surprise, I have to close my eyes, Right? So they'll say, Daddy, come here. But, you know, close your eyes. And they'll take me by, their hand, by my hand and they'll kind of walk me through the house. You know, that's a very scary thing because there's a lot of doors and doorways and walls. You know, so a lot of times I'm kind of walking through, like doing one of these because they'll lead me like right into a wall. You know? <laughs> the reality here is that Jesus, where he is leading us, it's not meant to be a surprise. <laughs> Where Jesus is leading us is not meant to take us off guard. Jesus is being super clear as to where he is taking us as his good shepherd. Look back at verse 10. Verse 10, it says the thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. Well, where is Jesus leading us? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus is leading us as the good shepherd into the abundant life. So we said that all of us, We are in pursuit of the abundant life, but Jesus is the only one who gives us the abundant life. So you can say it this way, the good shepherd, he wants to lead us to the abundant life. That's where he's leading us. The direction is not a surprise. So we kind of alluded to the fact that there are a lot of things in this life that promise the abundant life. We said that there are, we we kind of went through a list of those. So if that's what the abundant life is not, what is the abundant life? Let's paint a picture just for a second of the place that Jesus is leading us. When Jesus says that he is leading us to the abundant life, it is a life that is not worrying about what other people think of us. Think about that. The abundant life is a life where we walk in never having to worry about what other people think of us because we know that our identity is secured in who God has already declared us to be. The abundant life is a life where there's no fear of performing or having to keep a front. God's already done that. He's already declared that you are His. And so there's no need to have to perform. There's no need to have to keep up good works because God said, no, I died in order to give you my righteousness. So it's not dependent on your righteousness. There's no need for performance. There's no need in the abundant life to fear really hard things. In fact, we can walk through really hard things because what God promises us in the midst of hard things is His presence. So the abundant life, what that looks like, is this God with us through the good, through the bad. The abundant life is a place where worry is replaced with joy, where the constant feeling of I need something more is replaced with contentment. The abundant life is a place where your worth and your value are not in how good of a parent you are, how good of a student you are, not found in those things. It's a life where there is deep and meaningful relationships. This is the life that Jesus is leading us to. This is the life that Jesus wants to usher you into. He's leading us and he's leading us into the abundant life, truly abundant life. It is not found in more stuff. It is not found in more money. It is not found in more education. It is not found in more relationships, more achievements. It is found in more Jesus. That's where the abundant life is. So here's the question. I want to camp on this for just a second. Where is Jesus trying to lead you that you may not be willing to go? Where might Jesus as your good shepherd be leading you that you are not letting him take you there? And before I begin to give a bunch of examples, let me give myself as an example. Let me tell you our story a little bit about how we landed on planning a church in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Because in a lot of ways, Jesus was trying to lead me to a place that I was not willing to go. And so for about eight years, I've wrestled with the idea that God might be calling me somewhere that is not Greensboro, North Carolina. And so my mom grew up right next to Halifax. And so I have a real affinity for Atlantic Canada. I have grew up there, I have a lot of family there. Had a real burden for watching a lot of my family who grew up in church walk away, not because they hate God, but because they simply don't see Jesus as helpful or relevant. And that bothered me, but I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember talking to my wife about eight years ago, and it became clear at that point that that wasn't necessarily what God had on uh, the docket for us, uh, but we began to pray. And honestly, about three or four years in, I kind of stopped praying. I, I, I kind of stopped seeking where the Lord might, have, because at that point, I was pretty comfortable. I had a good job. We kind of had a good, comfortable lifestyle set up. Like, I'm not planning a church because Mercy Hill was saying, hey, you gotta find something else. It was comfortable. I didn't wanna go where Jesus was leading me because that meant I had to disrupt a lot of things in my life that I liked. And Jesus began to just show me how those things that I thought were the abundant life, comfort and control, he began to show me how fleeting those things really were. Now, he did so through a global pandemic. (laughs) I think all of us realized over the last few years that the things that maybe brought abundant life, we thought that. The things that we thought were within our control, the things that we thought brought us comfort were completely upended. And it took that for me to realize, you know what, I think I'm in control, but control is probably one of the biggest illusions in my life. And I began to say, okay, Lord, what would that look like? How, How might... I go where you are leading me. And that began a process of us praying more intentionally about moving to Canada. And I'll be honest with you, being in Florida for the last four days is really getting me rethinking about moving to Canada. (laughs) So, but I began to realize that Jesus is trying to lead me somewhere that I wasn't willing to go. Where might that be for you? Where's Jesus trying to lead you that you might not be willing to have him take you? Maybe it's away from a sin. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you know Jesus has put his finger on. And he's saying, I've died for that. <laughs> My blood has covered that. And you're saying, I'm just not willing to give it up. I'm not willing to give it up. Maybe it's not so much going somewhere, maybe it's that you feel like Jesus is actually calling you to stay here. <laughs> Maybe it's not, hey, I have this great career opportunity that I can go there and pursue. Maybe it's no, I feel like Jesus is actually leading me here to invest in this church and seeing God do something incredible in and around this area. Maybe it's not going somewhere out there. Maybe it's staying here. But staying here means you gotta forfeit something. You might have to forfeit a career that you think is leading to the abundant life in order to get the abundant life that Jesus is actually promising. But maybe it is, maybe Jesus is calling you, to go somewhere and take the gospel somewhere, share the gospel with somebody. Maybe he's calling you to forgive someone. Where is Jesus leading you? Here's the thing, the good shepherd, he doesn't lead you somewhere where he isn't already with you. We're gonna talk about that just in a little bit more in a second. Jesus, Jesus is not the good shepherd who simply leads us by pointing us. Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us by beckoning us. It's not, hey, go out there, it's hey, come. Come with me. So the good shepherd leads us. Number three, the good shepherd protects us. The good shepherd protects us. Look back at verse four. It says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. When he's brought them all out, he goes before them. Why does the good shepherd go before them? He goes before them to clear the path, to make sure that where they are walking is safe. And so the shepherd is someone who lives with the sheep. He's someone who sleeps with the sheep, protects the sheep. He provides the sheep. He probably smells like sheep. He does all of that in order to protect them. He protects the sheep because sheep are what? What do we say? They're super needy. The shepherd knows that they are needy and so he knows that he needs to protect them. Not some of the time, all of the time. Here's one of the greatest dangers I think for us in the Christian life. I don't think it's that we forget Jesus. I think it's that we become familiar with Jesus. Let me unpack that as it relates to how Jesus protects us because I think sometimes the good shepherd is not just protecting us from enemies out there, outside the pen, I think sometimes the good shepherd needs us to protect us from the enemy of ourself. (laughs) I think one of the greatest enemies that the shepherd has to protect us against is the fact that we can become very familiar with Jesus. So a lot of us in here, we can say, hey, I know Jesus, but maybe we've become a little bit too familiar with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere, maybe new, like on a vacation, and for the first like two or three days, you needed your GPS. It's like you couldn't go anywhere without Google Maps, you know, because if you did, you just, you'd get totally lost. But then what happens? Like you get about two or three days in at a new spot and you kind of start to get familiar with the place. And as you get familiar with the place, you don't necessarily need the GPS as much. And so you, you become familiar with your surroundings. You become familiar with the different places that you're going to. And that familiarity begins to set in. I think a lot of us, maybe we've forgotten that we need Jesus because we've become familiar with Jesus. It's like we've been on vacation with Jesus for long enough to not think that we necessarily need him anymore. And we do this subtly, we, we realize that no, we, you know, we need, I, I need Jesus to get me in the door. Like I get that, right? Like, like I need Jesus to die for my sins. I get that. So it's like, man, Jesus, I need you to get me in the door of the party, but it's up to me to stay at the party. And so we become familiar with the fact that we need Jesus all of the time. <laughs> like the sheep in the pasture need the shepherd all of the time. And then Jesus comes along in John chapter 15, you guys will be here in a couple weeks and he says this in verse five he says i am the vine and you are the branches whoever abides in me and i am him he it is that bears much fruit and then he says this for apart from me you can do nothing so the question for us is how much do we believe that nothing actually means nothing jesus says i'm the good shepherd apart from me you can do nothing (laughs) We need the good shepherd to protect us. One pastor said, without a rancher, the horse runs wild. Without a shepherd, the sheep dies. (laughs) You see, sometimes, like I said, the job of the shepherd is not only to save the sheep from predators on the outside, but rather is to save save the sheep on the inside of the pen. Because like we saw, given the opportunity, sheep will walk right out the side of a cliff. That's why we sing the, the song, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to walk off the side of a cliff and leave the God I love. (laughs) It's my updated revision of that. So the question then for us is where have we become familiar with Jesus to the point that maybe we don't feel like we need Jesus? I think one way for me that I see that play out in my life is I plan instead of pray. I think I can plan my way out of a certain situation instead of pray my way out of a situation. You put yourself in a position where you realize, man, I got to plant a church in a country that I'm not from (laughs) with a bunch of people that actually don't necessarily uh, like the fact that we want to be a part of what they're doing. You put yourself in those types of positions. You realize I can't plan my way out of this. (laughs) The only thing I can do is pray my way through it. Maybe for some of us, it's we make excuses for our sin instead of repenting of our sin. We don't think we necessarily need Jesus to cover our sins. We're too busy making excuses for our sins. We think maybe I'm not as bad as, and we begin to do the comparison game, or maybe maybe we rely on our good works instead of the gospel. We think "I, I can be good enough. And we realize though that the song of the sheep is Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, Lord, how I need you. The good shepherd protects us, but then lastly and ultimately, the good shepherd died for us. He knows us, he leads us, he protects us, but it really all hinges on the fact that if he didn't die for us, that other stuff doesn't really mean a whole lot. So Jesus says here that the good shepherd, he goes before his sheep, he protects them, but he even protects them to the point of his own harm, even to the point of potentially even death. And he says, and he's showing us here that the good shepherd worth his salt will put himself in dangerous situations for his sheep. That's what a good shepherd does. When I was here last time, I actually used my uh, dog, my, uh, he's now dead, um, I used him as, as an illustration. So he's, he's coming back up again. So I don't know, something about Florida makes me think about my dog, I don't know why. But I had a, we had a chocolate lab, and if you guys have ever had a lab or if you know anything about a lab, he, he, uh, he's been dead two years. Man, we're over it, okay? So, like, you know, it's, we're fine, you know? Um, one thing about a lab is that they love to swim. I mean, if there was water, he was going to find his way in it, you know? So it didn't matter if it was a pond, a lake, or the ocean. So my in-laws, my wife's parents had had a house at the beach. And so we would, a lot of of times, take him to the beach and he would go swimming in the ocean. Well, we were at the ocean. We were at the beach one, I think it was like November-ish. And so the water was cold. I was not in my bathing suit, nor was I prepared to go in the water. And so we let Jax off the leash and we let him run into the water. Now, at this point, he was a little bit older. And so, you know, he was a little slower, maybe less strong as he used to be. And I realized at one point, as I'm watching, I'm like, I... he's struggling right now to like get back you know and so you're watching and you're like how much do I love this dog like really like he's lived a good life like we can just kind of wave to him as he goes you know I'm like no I can't do that you know and so I gotta like trudge into the ocean freezing cold in my clothes and like grab this dog and like pull him out you know why did I do that I did that because I love my dog Like there wasn't a whole lot of things I wouldn't do to step in and protect and help my dog. How much more does Jesus love us? How much more is Jesus not willing to go before us? The cross shows us definitively that he paid the ultimate price for us. But what Jesus teaches us here is he said, there's a big difference between the true shepherd and a hired hand. Look back at verse 12. Here's what he says. He's making this comparison. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and what does he do? He leaves the sheep and he flees. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, when the going gets tough, the hired hand gets going. But then Jesus is going to say, but that's not me. (laughs) I'm the good shepherd. I don't do that. There's a big difference between a hired hand and the true shepherd. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Can I just say this? I think sometimes we gotta stop trying to treat Jesus like the hired hand. Because the reality is Jesus is not going anywhere when things get tough. Jesus is with you in and through it all. Jesus says, I'm the true shepherd. I'm not going anywhere. And we say, how do I know that, Jesus? Paul says in Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us and that what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so when the going got tough, what did Jesus do? He went to the cross. And Jesus is showing us what the gospel declares over us. He didn't bail on us when we are his enemies, he's not going to bail on us now. He's certainly not going to bail on us now. See, when Jesus sees us, he doesn't see us in all of our ugly sheepness. But rather, Jesus sees us through the loving eyes of a good shepherd because the good shepherd, he died to defeat that sheepness in our life. He says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm the good shepherd. I laid down my life for you. The gospel helps us to see that this is true and to believe it, not just to know that these things are true about Jesus, but then to usher us into following him. So listen, you can't do anything that surprises Jesus. You might do some things that surprise you, but you can't do anything that surprises Jesus. There is nothing that we can do that surprises the good shepherd. So what we have to wrestle with here is, do we believe that? And do we believe it to the point where we follow him. Maybe you're not a believer in here. Maybe you'd say, you know, I've been checking this thing out. I'm not really sure about Jesus. I grew up in church. I grew up around it. Maybe I have a friend who's bringing me here. And maybe you realize, you know, you've been in pursuit of this abundant life that Jesus promises. And you've maybe come to the point where you're starting to realize that the abundant life that you were pursuing is not going to deliver. And what we see here is that we have a true shepherd who says, not only do I lead you to the abundant life, but I can deliver. Because what we realize about Jesus and what we're just saying is not only did he die for us, but rather he was resurrected. <laughs> so there's not many things that we can put our hope in. In fact, there's only one thing that we can hope in that not only died for us, but was it actually raised back to death, raised from death to life. But maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you say, okay, what does that mean for me? I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I believe that Jesus is a good shepherd. I, I get that. Maybe what that means for you is that you don't have to pretend or you can stop pretending that you're something that Jesus knows that you're not. Maybe what that's what that means. So on your own, your righteousness, what you have is, it, it is given to you by Jesus. You don't have to work harder, try better, do more. Jesus has done that for you. He has gone to the cross. He has given you his righteousness. And So the abundant life is not that I have to pretend to be something that I'm not. The abundant life is... I don't have to strive to obtain something that Jesus has already given me. And so, what that means is, as we follow the Good Shepherd, we can just rest knowing that the Good Shepherd has done that for us. And you know what that does for us as followers of Jesus? It changes our attitude and obedience. So, what that does for us as followers of, of Jesus is it causes us to obey the Good Shepherd joyfully, not saying, oh my gosh, I have to follow Jesus. So there's not a begrudging following, but rather there is a following that is with joy. And so the question then becomes, well, okay, what kind of obedience am I displaying today? And maybe it is that type of begrudging obedience. I have to. We don't see Jesus as a good shepherd. Maybe we see Jesus as a taskmaster. And what John 10 is reminding us here is that no, there is joyful obedience because we don't have to follow. A taskmaster, we get to follow a good shepherd. Jesus is leading us into the abundant life. There are a lot of things in our life that are going to overpromise and underdeliver. Maybe you're experiencing that now. I experienced this when I was six. And I'll close with this. When I was six years old, I, uh, I wanted a game called Hungry Hungry Hippos, okay? I wanted this game more than anything. And uh, in fact, have myself on videotape Uh, when I got it for Christmas as a six-year-old screaming with glee saying I wanted this all day and all night. That's what I said and I quote. So I remember you know it's it's weird because I can almost vividly remember like wanting hungry hungry hippos more than I wanted anything else. Where do you think hungry hippos was about three weeks later? It was in the box broken. (laughs) I had moved on to something else you know. Hungry Hungry Hippos is one of those things where I remember as a six-year-old thinking, if I only had Hungry Hungry Hippos, like, my life will be complete. And I got it, and I realized, even in my six-year-old mind, my life was not complete. <laughs> How many things are, that, are like that in our life that we think, if I only had, they over-promise, and they always under-deliver? We have a good shepherd who doesn't just over who doesn't just overpromise? he promises and He delivers. There are a lot of things, like I said, that promise the abundant life. There's only one person that can actually deliver on that, and that is Jesus. So the good shepherd is calling you to the abundant life. Will you let him lead you there? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that even though we are sheep, Father, you are a good shepherd. God, even though you see us all the way down to the depth of who we are as sheep, Father, you loved us enough to go to the cross. And God, we know that, Father, you are leading us to the abundant life, not simply because you died for us, but, God, you were raised to life. Father, you didn't just promise that. Father, you delivered on the promise. And I pray for those of us in here that maybe, God, have never They have never trusted and followed you. God, would you show them that the abundant life that they're after is not actually going to give them what they want? And Father, would they submit to you? Jesus, would they submit to you as their good shepherd and follow you? But God, I know even for me, Father, there are a lot of places that you're trying to lead me that I'm not willing to go. And so Lord, I pray that your spirit, Father, would show us what is that thing what is that place? What is that sin? God, would we follow you? Not just believe that you're the good shepherd, but would we follow you as our good shepherd? Jesus, thank you. We pray it in his name, amen.